Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Alright everybody, welcome into another episode of the Believe in Florida Gators podcast. Your home for all things Florida Gators football, recruiting, basketball, you name it. I'm your host Zach Goodall. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. Uh, if you listened to the episode last week, you know that Demetrius is somewhere out in the mountains enjoying his time off from the sports journalism realm. A well-deserved vacation but fear not, I am not by myself. This is not going to be an awkward one-person podcast today. I'm joined by friend of the show, Brandon Carroll. You can find him on Twitter at It's B. Carroll. Uh, he's been on with us before, probably, what, like a month ago or so now. We were talking basketball, the start of the Todd Golden era at Florida. And he's back to talk a bit more basketball today. There's been a lot more that's happened since then. Uh, but we're also going to catch you up on some week thre- uh, some news from the past week. The addition of Ricky Pearsall, the wide receiver from Arizona State, uh, as well as a top quarterback recruit that minutes before we started recording this episode, and I swear I'm doing this, <clears throat> excuse me, every every week now we're recording something and right before we start some sort of news breaks, it's, it's perfect timing. Uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the class of 2023, Jaden Rashada, just touched wheels down uh, in Gainesville at the airport. He is here for a multi-day unofficial visit after including the Gators in his top seven a very short time ago. Uh, Brandon, say what's up to the people before we get into what's going to be another fun episode. How's it going, everyone? I'm glad I could come on the show and allow Zach not to have to talk to himself. Uh, you know, as, as much as I know you'd love to hear his voice for the next 30 minutes, it is nice for us at least to bounce back and forth between uh, opinion to opinion to kind of create that conversationalism uh, in podcast setting so i'm happy to be on again and excited to get this thing on the road i promise you people would not be excited to just hear me talk by myself for 30 minutes it can get boring i understand um but anyway before we get into this uh, how about a word from our partners at betonline.ag they continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info you can find all the latest odds news sports developments for the nba playoffs Major League Baseball fights in even NFL futures over at Bet Online. Uh, they're your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the favorite uh, of fans, Vegas Casino and po- poker games. Uh, it's really easy to get started. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V, and you'll receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that code. Is B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. Let's get this thing rolling. Um, I was on the road up to Savannah. First little mini vacation for me in a while because all we've been doing, and Brandon knows this, he's been with me, is traveling across the state to check out recruits as the offseason lingers on. I was going on a little vacation to meet my friends from Twitter in Savannah. And I have to pull over at a Parker's gas station uh, somewhere in Georgia on my way just off of I-95 to publish a story that we have been waiting to break for some time, uh, that Ricky Pearsall, the wide receiver out of Arizona State, a rising senior who entered the portal in April, 
is now a Florida Gator. He announced it this past Saturday. He comes in. He fills what we've said all along is one of Florida's two biggest needs entering the 2022 season. Now, we understand Billy Napier said in March that he, the team had a lot of needs. They needed a lot of depth. He, he put it on record. They wanted maybe double-digit transfers to come in, and that's not really happened. Uh, it's not come close to happening. But you figured that may have not always been super realistic, but regardless, they had to get some impact players not just developmental guys, but guys that can step in and make an impact week one. And Pearsall is the first guy uh, of the bunch that has come in, the small bunch, that can do that. He's got starting experience at the Power 5 level. He's contributed. He's a playmaker. And he's bringing something, in my opinion, and I believe Brandon agrees as well, to the Gators' offense that they just don't really have, uh, comparatively at least at wide receiver. It's going to be a huge help for Anthony Richardson this year when he takes over as the starting quarterback. So, Brandon, uh, from what you've seen of Ricky Pearsall, um, his numbers, his film, all that, how do you think he fits in here, and how big of a help can he be for Anthony Richardson and the Skaters' offense? I think it can be huge. I think the biggest thing with Florida's offense right now is their lack of uh, kind of big play weapons uh, on the on the outside in the passing game specifically. Obviously, you're going to have Anthony Richardson, who's going to make some incredible plays on his feet this year. Uh, you're going to have some of the guys in the backfield bust runs because that's what the, they're going to be running the ball so much that it's it's bound to happen. But from the passing game, you have a, a room full of possession receivers. I mean, Justin Shorter, Trent Whittemore, uh, Xavier Henderson, n- none of them have really shown the ability to kind of make those big plays in the passing game, at least from the from a catch-and-run standpoint or really even target down the field. So Ricky Pearsall, I think, brings a little bit more of that to the Gators' offense. He was solid uh, as, as a Sun Devil under Herm Edwards the past few years. He's been, uh, you know, their leading receiver. He was their leading receiver last season. And even though his numbers didn't necessarily pop off the page, if you look at the other guys that are even in contention with him from Arizona State and in, in passing, you know, receiving stats, he's he, he blows them all out of the water. So I think you're getting a productive guy that's proven he can – uh, have success at the power five level and you can't go wrong with that and in general as as the when the needs that we've discussed the florida gators uh having this offseason you need explosive playmakers right and i think that's exactly what the offense lacks and like no slight to the guys you mentioned you know shorter no. whittemore um henderson and maybe up-and-comers that are younger players that have yet to truly emerge uh, but so far we've not seen it you know how many screens or short passes did we see turned into big gains slash touchdowns last year very few if any like that's what Kadarius Tony was doing all the time uh, Van Jefferson was capable of doing it Trayvon Grimes was capable of doing it and then it all fell off in the final year of Dan Mullen's tenure and shorter runs a nice curl route you know he can go up and get the ball when he's thrown um, you know to the sidelines which can be an exclusive play every now and then but it's not it becomes predictable because there's just not much else he can do except run a nice curl route and, you know, get that five-yard gain you need on third and four. Really important, but, like, it's not going to take the tops off of defenses. It's not going to command respect for your passing game. And Pearsall, you know, he's a good route runner. Uh, he runs a mean sluggo and post-go, I'll tell you that. Or post-corner, I should say. But he's also, he is capable of taking a screen or, or a curl route and not stopping after five or six yards. You know, he can maneuver his way. He can break tackles. He's got pretty great close, um, speed once he is able to get in full stride and get into a straight line uh, to extend plays. I mean, four of his touchdowns last year, I believe, 
three of them were over 30 yards at least. He's also got the ability to take reverses and jet sweeps out of the backfield. I think he averaged 7.8 yards per rush over the past two years, and he's gotten several opportunities to do it. He's even thrown three passes for over 100 yards. Um, I was researching this because I wrote about Pearsall earlier today. Um, we're recording this on Thursday night, by the way, that he, um, Billy Napier at Louisiana every year had one player that wasn't a quarterback throw a pass. Just one pass, one player every year. And now he's got two options at receiver of guys that have done it at Florida because Trent Whittemore has thrown four passes, completed three of them, has, I believe, two touchdowns. Uh, Pearsall scored a touchdown and has over 100 yards thrown to his name. So when you've got a guy that can do that, he can demand respect um, in coverage because he's a good route runner and can create explosive plays. Uh, he demands respect if he's coming to run a reverse out of the backfield, even if he doesn't end up getting it. Like That can force linebackers to shoot a bit outside, open a gap on the opposite end of the play for a standard handoff, stuff like that. He can really open up this offense, make things a bit easier on Anthony Richardson. You know, Not all the attention will be on him and the running backs in a condensed area anymore, which is huge. I mean, Richardson, as talented as he is, everyone knows he still needs work. You know That was evident last year. He's going to need people that can help elevate his game before he can elevate Florida's game. He's a young quarterback without much experience. And a guy like Pearsall is is a perfect candidate to come in and help him do that. 100%. And I wasn't trying to slight the other guys that I mentioned. It's more or less just a term in terms of the that Pearsall does things differently. He, he yeah. has a different skill set that he applies to the game uh, than you know some of the guys that either haven't shown that they have that skill set yet or – haven't had the opportunity to for some of the younger guys, but I a hundred percent agree. Opening up the pass game is going to be a huge um, asset for Florida. If they're able to do it this season, because they can allow Anthony Richardson to showcase some of the promise that he's presented to this point. I think one of the big things for Florida is finding, uh, you know, because obviously the offense is going to be that kind of run, uh, you know, slanted towards the run. And then they're going to, use the run to open up the pass. But if they have that ability to run out of play action because the pass is also just as dominant and they're able to kind of make these deep down the field plays when they take deep shots, as Billy Napier loved to do at Louisiana Lafayette, they're going to be a even more dynamic offense than we can envision them with Anthony Richardson at the helm because they have those pieces along the outside as well as in the backfield to make those big plays that they need to be a top SEC offense. You know what you need to make big plays to be a top SEC offense? Is a good quarterback. Good quarterback. Florida has one right now, in my opinion, but they really don't have much to hang their hat on for the future outside of Anthony Richardson, which is why Jaden Rashada at roughly 4.30 Thursday night landed in Gainesville, coming in from uh, all the way out in California. And he's not a guy that's done many visits throughout this spring. He's been focused on a lot of other stuff. He's done some. He's come to the uh, SEC before, but this is his first stop at Florida. He, first time ever coming to Florida, yet he included Florida in their new coaching staff in his top seven just, what, like a week ago? Two weeks Something ago? Something like that. Something like yeah. that. And he's been, I mean, he's been coveted for some time, you know, like, there are a lot of schools that should be in the mix, and surprisingly, Florida was able to creep their way in, land this visit. Ideally, maybe they get him back a second time this year on an official visit, <clears throat> but that all um, that's call out kind of all up in the air right now. But regardless, I mean, two four seven Sports Composite has him as the number five quarterback in this class. 
uh, number 30 overall. He's a five-star. We've talked about it on here. You've seen it talked about on Twitter quite a bit, I'm sure. There aren't a ton of options at quarterback left for the Gators in this class. Truth be told, I've said it to some people, I don't think it's a great class whatsoever. And if it weren't for Arch Manning, who also I don't think is the number one quarterback in this class or a number one overall caliber prospect, people would probably think this quarterback class is pretty bad. Uh, But, you know, name, brand, recognition, and whatnot. Rashada, in my opinion, from from what I have been able to see of him, and granted I've not seen him live, but on tape, highlights, stuff like that, I personally think he's a better prospect than Manning. Uh, I think he's a guy that's can be a really electric dual threat player, but most specifically he he has got an arm and he's he plays within structure well and he can just make things happen through the air. He's a big get on campus for Florida um, because again it is it's Arch Manning if they actually are in that, which I I don't think they are. I don't think they're in it for many of the other guys that round out that top ten to twelve that are on the market, and there aren't many real flip candidates when it comes to ties to the staff or the state or anything like that, that would be of intense appeal. So maybe Rashada or bust, maybe not. It's certainly looking that way right now. Cause like you, you look at the recruiting market and it's, it's there's, there's no one really out there that Florida is hot and heavy on that outside of Rashada, that would be a viable option for them. Obviously they've, they've, kind of flirted with other prospects but we've seen them commit elsewhere obviously uh when they first stepped in christopher vizina was someone they wanted to look at he committed to clemson they kind of flirted with marcus stokes from nice and jacksonville he committed to penn state and i don't think either of those guys are really gonna be guys that you continue to push that you know uh kind of hard for and in terms of a flip so it like you said, this class is not as you know really. Ta- it's not top heavy or deep at all, uh, where the quarterback's concerned. So someone like Rashada might be one of their you know that might be their only hope in terms of getting a quarterback that they can run into the future with. Because uh, you look at the quarterback room right now, it's it's not there. There's not much behind Anthony Richardson for the future, and and you mentioned that. But I think getting Rashada on campus, even in an unofficial capacity, even if it's a day late because, you know, whatever happened yesterday, I think that's a promising victory for the staff and they just have to capitalize on it, which is completely possible given that, you know, recruitments can go any which direction in in this day and age. Now, Florida, I guess maybe they wouldn't be able to get him on an official visit because I had forgotten this part was reported, at least not until he's already made his college commitment. Again, he's got a top seven. It's Florida, Oregon, California. Miami, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and LSU. Decision date, June 18th, mm-hmm. just a few weeks away, uh, his dad's birthday. So they got to knock this visit out of the park now. I don't know if he's got any other ones um, lined up after this, and it would be a good thing, I guess, if Florida's able to get that last visit and make a strong impression. But um, I don't know. It's it, It's tough. Kids are going to be looking at a program where, you know, Billy Napier has had a lot of success with his offensive playmakers and quarterbacks in his limited time as a head coach. But these quarterbacks just aren't that familiar with it. Florida is sneaking in late compared to the schools that have been in on Rashada for some time. So I don't I don't know how good to feel about it, but it's interesting that this close to decision time, he's going to a school that he doesn't have much familiarity with in terms of being around it or the staff from the other side of the country, making sure he finds a way to get here. Um, 
despite some reported issues with his flight. It is certainly intriguing, to say the least, and that's why we cover recruiting. It's very intriguing. It's very intriguing. That's why that, – That's this is what, where you make the money. This is why this is why we are me and Zach are big ballers, okay? <laughs> this is where it's where it's at. So, but I'm just kidding. Um, but we yeah, don't make the I, big money, but we are big ballers. That's facts. That's facts. Um, I just think it's such a everything in recruiting is so crazy and like like I said earlier, you can it things can go any which direction and a solid quarterback can be really can just cause your class to go in one direction that it wouldn't go if you didn't have that guy. He is the staple of your class in every single, you know, recruitment cycle. You get a quarterback, you're re- you're ready to go cuz normally they commit first and then they're on the recruiting trail with you. They're, you know, pitching to other uh, schools or other players that might be considering other schools and Florida. They're pitching why they should go to Florida and I think if you can get someone like Rashada to be that spearhead of this class, Florida's in a great position to kind of make some noise on the recruiting market. But if they can't, it becomes, all right, so they don't have a quarterback because we see what the market looks like. How are they, where are they going to go from here? And, you know, obviously the guys they currently have committed are good, but they're not a five-star quarterback with the potential to be a starter in year one. That Because everyone knows quarterback is the most important position in football, unless you want to say center because they can't get the ball. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, before we get to basketball, what do you think this pitch is? Because, again, all they're banking on are their one, two, maybe three options unless someone emerges and is worth taking at quarterback. They are all big names with a lot of other schools coming in. Being in their predicament, not having many options, not having anything in the SEC to suggest they're going to succeed quite yet. Uh, what is the pitch? Do you say, yeah, Anthony's going to the NFL next year, book it? Like, and, and you've got a spot, but also you've got a guarantee that if, you know, you can be good here because we're going coming in and first year we're sending a quarterback to the NFL. I don't think they're that egotistical, but like, it's got to be something similar to that, right? Yeah, I don't think they're egotistical, but I do think they're realistic. I don't think they, you know, have the, you know, they're not playing around like Anthony is going to stay for the next two years because if he has a, you know, above average season this year he is a you know first round caliber talent and and i don't think that's necessarily like a stretch either he has the potential to because because his talent is one thing if he can kind of put some production alongside that there's going to be some teams that in the nfl that are kind of awing and over him and then uh after especially after a a quarterback draft class we saw this year that resembles the 2023 recruiting class where it was like eh, you know it was eh. It was yeah. all right, but it's not great. I think there's that understanding from the Florida staff, and so there. And and one thing we've not, we've kind of heard a bunch since Napier and company stepped in, in, you know, into their shoes is they they're honest, they're realistic, and they just want to make sure that they're upfront with you. And I think that one thing they're going to say to Rashada is, listen. The way our quarterback room is set up right now, if you come in, we have the ability to offer you almost a near immediate playtime if you can prove that, you know, you're worthy of that playtime because or if you can beat out the other guys, which uh, if we're being you know honest, there's a good chance that that is possible. So it's kind of like that, uh, you know, dynamic of which, you know, it, it, is he willing to kind of take that chance and go to a school that might not be as 
set in, in its foundation in terms of just getting a new coaching staff from the group of five level to kind of be that spearhead for them? Or does he want to go more foundation, you know, route where there's more foundation for him to elevate quickly and also have immediate success and, and kind of have that knowledge of having that immediate success. Such is life as a recruit, the pains, the troubles of being 17 again. Sad. Sad indeed. Anyway, you know, what's not sad is, um, <clears throat> is the amount of fun that you and everyone's been having talking about Gators basketball this off season and all the moves that they've been making. Uh, last time you were on the pod, it was right after Alex Fudge committed the LSU transfer. Uh, remind me if the timing adds up here. Will Will Richard was or Richard or whatever. Yeah. It was right Will before Richard. that from Belmont. From Belmont. Yes, sir. Uh, Kwesi Reeves had entered the portal like minutes before we started that pod. What am I telling you guys? Yes, sir. Um, and that's where we left off on basketball talk. Except I believe we had mentioned that Reeves came back in a later episode, but we didn't really dive into it. So. With that, I want to give you the floor here. I'm, you know, there's been a lot of different stuff that's happened. There's been additional transfers. There's been a late signing in the 2022 recruiting class. Again, Reeves is back. Uh, we're really starting to get an idea of what this roster is going to look like uh, for the upcoming season. Maybe they bring in one or two more transfers, but if not, like it's it's close to being pretty much settled. So, what are your impressions of the latest moves? If you want to go by, you know, one on one to just share analysis of each guy, how they fit, what the roster could look like, uh, and so on and so forth. Definitely. And uh, so obviously we'll start with Reeves with returning. That is huge. He th He's back, okay? That obviously, so towards the end of the last season, and we all knew this when he came out of high school, is that he had that kind of desire to uh, be that – big play guy when they needed him to be. Obviously, we saw that in the, in Texas A&M. Uh, against Texas A&M, he was able to kind of make his way, uh, make his, you know, be a playmaker when they needed him to be. And that flashed signs of him being a future star for the Florida Gators. So when his name hit the transfer portal, it was kind of like, oh, no, you know, Todd Golden's not going to be able to have that guy in year one. But his return means that they are going to be able to have a guy they can run the offense through. Uh, he's going to continue improving in terms of his shot because that, you know, and, and also his ability to drive to the basket. Uh, Todd Golden's just going to have a focal point that he can utilize on offense as long alongside Colin Castleton, who we can't neglect in remembering that he's here, even though they've went so guard heavy in this uh, transfer portal. But I do think that the re-addition of Kowasi is something that, is probably the biggest move of the offseason, even though he was only in the transfer portal for just two days. It Being able to keep him is what makes the other moves so complimentary to this team. Because if not, those moves are more so necessities rather than luxuries. And it, obviously, they're still, they were still a necessity even with him. But this makes it even better because of the talents Kowasi holds. And then you're getting into other guys like Kyle Lofton and Trey Bonham. Lofton is a guard from St. Bonaventure. He was one of the more highly you know, recruited uh, guards in the transfer portal from uh, it, just this offseason. He, like Bonham, they both play very kind of – they play in a facilitation role. They're able to get to the bucket. They're able to kind of be uh, true number one guards on the court. They're able to facilitate, be a floor general, 
really, you know, if they need to, they can slow down the game, but they also play fast paced, which is going to align with Todd Golden's system. Uh, one, Lofton, he is more of the, uh, I'm going to get to the bucket and kick the ball out and be this facilitator that can be just a, a kind of generate assists on a consistent basis. Bonham is someone who's going to get to the rim, finish through contact, kick the ball out, and also hit threes uh, with the best of them. Bonham was more of an analytical find, as they'd say, coming from the village, Villa, the Virginia Military Institute. I wanted to combine all those words there, <laughs> um, but but I guess it's okay. So he, he came from VMI. He I actually had the opportunity to speak with him. He was very excited to be a Gator, said that he was already com- you know wanting to uh, commit to Florida even before his official visit, knew that this was the place for him. And when they asked him if he wanted to be a Florida Gator, he told them, I knew before I even stepped foot on campus. So he's someone that wants to be at the University of Florida, which you can't get too many of those guys. And I think it's a huge uh, you know, addition for Todd Golden and the rest of the staff to have someone like that on the squad. And then also with Lofton, that's just he, – he was one of the more proven players in this entire transfer portal – one of the more highly recruited, as I said. And I think that them two together at that point guard position in rotation is going to have Florida in a very good spot to be able to facilitate to the likes of their other transfers, Will Richard and Alex Fudge, as well as Kowasi Reeves, Colin Castleton, and the you know others that are going to be a huge piece to this team. And I'm just going to say it here first. This Florida Gators basketball team in 2022-23 is going to be a tournament team. They're going to be a lot better than the team we saw Ford last year because one, the system that Todd Golden runs and two, the talent is, is kind of skyrocketing from where it was last season to bring that system together. You paused there for quite a second. I was curious if you're going to say something more than just a tournament team. Cause I know you feel that way about it being a tournament team. I was wondering if you were going to say like a, maybe a sweet 16. Team so I was, so I was, but... I was thinking sweet 16 team. Um, and that's, and I would like to, and I've told you that I think they're a sweet 16 team. Um, it, but it was just in the moment, I was like, I don't know if that's too far, but you I do think see, that, you want to see them with their yeah, new coach for five or yeah. 10 games before you go saying anything crazy. Exactly. So give I, I, give I me, get it. give me till the end of December before they get into the conference play. And I will kind of give you an idea of where they're at. I don't, cause obviously end of November last year, we were all like, Oh, this is a this is a tournament team. They're six and zero. They're you know beating the likes of Ohio State and Florida State, and those teams are normally pretty good, whatever. And then they get to Oklahoma and lose, and then they just start to unravel. And so maybe this season they get through because the, they're going to have to get through the likes of um, they're going to have to get through Oklahoma again in the Jumpman Invitational. They're going to have to get through UConn at home, which shouldn't be too difficult, but it's still UConn. Uh, you're going to have to get through a, just a plethora of teams that are going to have them in that national spotlight early on. If they're able to do that, we're going to look at this team and we're going to be like, okay, here we go. Uh, let, let's see how they start putting it together in conference play. I do think they're going to be one of the top teams in this conference. Obviously, it's, a, it's going to be a very competitive conference. Obviously, you'll have the likes of Kentucky, uh, Alabama, and then ob- my favorite to win the you know the entire SEC this year, Arkansas, with what they've been able to do, both with kind of putting together uh, their roster through recruiting and the transfer portal this offseason. So, I'm excited to see where Florida is able to go this year, but I am very high on the acquisitions that Todd Golden has made this year to make them at least return uh, to to the big dance this off or you know this next upcoming campaign. And, and sorry, I had stepped away for a second to get some water. Did you hit on Riley Kugel as well? 
I have not. Uh, so Kugel, he's kind of an interesting one. Uh, he has been um, someone that ever since he committed or decommitted from Mississippi State has heard from a plethora of teams um, similar to Kyle Lofton in the transfer portal because of his talents. He's kind of that 2-3 guard, which they've acquired a lot of those this offseason. But he keeps a dynamic pair a pairing with uh, current signee Denzel Aberdeen from Dr. Phillips in Orlando. Those two together have been dominant in the backcourt for Dr. Phillips for quite some time, and I think they're going to be able to continue that at the college level. I think one well, obviously Kugel is is incredible in his own right, but those two together is really going to give Florida some chemistry and, and depth in, in the early years, and they're also going to have an opportunity to continue building that chemistry to be a dynamic backcourt when their time comes because – it's just the way they play together, the understanding that they have. And, you know, as someone that's played basketball, I understand what it's like to play with someone for so long and understand their tendencies and things like that and understand, uh, you know, when I when I drive, I know exactly where they're going to be so I can kick it out to him if I need to. If, if you know, if he's driving, I need to pop down to the corner so if, you know, he gets in trouble, he can kick it out to me and he knows I'm there. He doesn't even have to look. So it's just things – it's just the little things that uh, you kind of build over time with playing with someone – and they're going to not only have that during their time at Florida, but they're going to be able to carry that over from a few year stint at Dr. Phillips playing together as starters in that role. So that's going to be very beneficial to Florida and Todd Golden, getting those both of those guys on campus together uh, this offseason. It's going to be interesting to watch, uh, exciting to watch, that's for sure. Not only what Todd Golden's been able to do with the Gators roster of the present uh, but even a little bit of work on the Gators roster of the future, uh, how he builds this program. As we've talked about quite a bit today, how Billy Napier builds his is going to be very fun to watch. Brandon's going to be doing it alongside me uh, and Demetrius as well here at the Believe in Florida Gators podcast, as well as over at our website, allgators.com, powered by Fan Nation Sports Illustrated. You can get all of our written content there. Um, and if you want a more centralized hub on our work, specifically by the person, follow us on Twitter. Myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Brandon at It's B. Carroll, Demetrius at Demetrius82. And one more time for our sponsors, make sure to check out betonline.com uh, for all of your betting needs and sports info. Use that promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Not 50% off, just 50% welcome bonus. I need to get better with my words. Uh, Brandon, thank you for joining me today. Good show. Thank you for the info. As I tell you all the time, you know way more about basketball than I do, and your presence was much needed. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm glad I could break up the monotony of you speaking to yourself as we talked about at the beginning of the show. So We're going to avoid that at all costs forever. I'm not going to do that. I hate doing that so much. <laughs> anyway, come back and, uh, and check us out next week. It'll either be me and Brandon, maybe me and Demetrius. He may, he may not be back about it. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out at that time. But for now, we are Believe in Florida Gators. We'll catch you all next time.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.